A conversation can change the way you think, how you feel, or even what you believe. So no matter what the conversation's about, it's not for nothing. Hey everybody, it's Kyle Leon Henderson, and welcome back to Not For Nothing. Uh, as I told you in the last few episodes, I have new friends, and I want to introduce you to them. And on today's episode, I'm introducing you to one of my favorite people in all the world, an actor, a singer, a friend for life, Andrew Perkins. Hey, Andrew. Oh my God, what an introduction. <laughs> I don't even know how to top that. <laughs> uh, I'm sure you could figure out how to top it. Uh, probably. Th- that, anything, anywhere. Anything, anywhere, anywhere. anyone. Um, <laughs> pun intended. Uh, how are you? I'm going? good. I'm good. I'm excited to be so here. So we're having the most LA day of we all are. time. Yeah. We went hiking and now we're recording a podcast. Yes, you got me up Earlier than I planned. So we need to go get some kombucha and then go to yoga. I am wearing my yoga pants. Oh, okay. Well, then that's all. Check that off the list. Yes. Do you have a therapy session later today? I, I don't, unfortunately. <laughs> so I got to get that fixed on my LA schedule. Well, there's something else that you do that's very LA. You're an actor. I'm an actor. Okay. There you are. So I'm an actor too. I mean, we're all actors in LA. If you're not, even those who are not actors are actors. Are act- I mean, is yeah. it? Everybody kind of an actor in some sense. Everybody I, pretends about something. Well, yeah, we're all pretending. We're all putting on a show. Sorry to get so deep within the first two minutes but you of know the podcast. What? That's what I love. I love about the podcast because conversations can get deep and meaningful very fast. But you're originally from upstate California? That's no. not what they call it in California. They call that New York. I am um, from I'm from Riverside. River Oh, downstate. East East State. I don't know where anything <laughs> is. If it's not LA County, there's one thing I know. There's two things I know outside of LA County. Hmm. Anaheim. Okay. Disneyland. Yeah. And Santa Barbara. Ventura County. Okay. That's all. That's the only thing I know. That's it. That's I, anything else outside of there. I know Big Bear, but that's LA County, right? You're asking. I'm so geographically know. challenged. See, see, it's not just me. You I live use here. my GPS to get me everywhere. too. Well, I remember when I lived here before, uh, when I was 19 in 2007. I remember printing off on a printer that I had MapQuest directions to oh get God. to hookups. Can't relate. I'm so young. Never <laughs> used MapQuest. That's for sure. <laughs> well, so what? How long have you lived in LA? I've been here for, I think I'm starting my eighth year. It was seven years in October. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, so you I'm, moved here right after college. Well, I graduated college in 2013. Here's my life story, everybody. Do it, girl. Graduated college in 2013. Was like, what the hell am I going to do with my life? And got a job in San Diego as a tech recruiter. Did that for a couple years. Realized I hated it. And that this wasn't what I wanted to do with my life. So my friend was like, hey, I'm going to move to L.A. And I was like, I think I want to do that. Mm -hmm. I want to be an actor. So I put in my two weeks and moved to LA. Never looked back. There you go. In 2015. That's fantastic. And where did your journey to becoming an actor start? Were you an actor in college? No, I did things. Yeah, that's life in LA. Yeah. The the sirens. (laughs) We hear them all the time on this show. I did... Um, some like we called them programs in mm-hmm. elementary school. Yeah, uh, that's where I first fell in love with the idea of acting because you could just do all these silly mm-hmm. things and you could pretend. And so yeah. growing up, I was like, oh, this is something I want to do. Uh, and then like every actor, you kind of fall into, ooh, maybe I want to be famous. Yeah, um, I don't necessarily. Right. I mean, if it comes, it comes. If it Whatever comes. success, anybody at the top of their game but is like, be famous. The idea of celebrity these days yeah. is a little overwhelming. Well, and I people ask me from back home, like, oh, which my mom, she's like, you'll make it one day. And I'm like, well, I am making it because, you know, that's the life of the actor Yeah, is audition. Get some roles sometimes. Have a side job that you really like. Hopefully you like it. Yeah. Hopefully it's not just, you know. I mean, Soul draining. You know, I some people are, you know, waiting tables for the, and they want to get out of waiting tables. I, I took a different perspective to a job you actually like yeah. and, you know, enjoy and live your life while you're living your life. Yeah. Kind of thing. But And so yeah. uh, elementary school, middle school, high school, loved acting, loved doing shows, loved telling stories that people connected mm-hmm. with. And then in college, I fell into the trap of 
get a real job. Yeah. Acting isn't a real job. Mm-hmm. You need to plan for the future. What are you doing? And so I didn't do anything acting wise in college, yeah. but then now I'm full force. Right. It's the only thing I want to do. Right. And and also the reason you're here. Yeah. Um, I love you. You're one of my best yeah, friends in the you. world. Um, but I the reason you're here is because you are someone who is doing it. Trying. Like we're all in different varying degrees of doing it. You every time I talk to you, you're like, I've got a table read, I've got an audition, I've got a class. And there's feelings of inadequacy here because I'm like, oh God, no, no, no! I just went to work today, and now I'm watching Yellowstone. Everyone's journey is different. Um, so which I do this podcast. This is my this is my show up accountability for myself space. Yeah, creative show. But I, you, the reason you're here is because you're doing it, and I'm like, I need to, I need to absorb by osmosis. Give me a hug, or you know. I need to I need to learn from you in that way. I think a lot of us need to learn that what you know because you're doing it and you have had some success this year already with you're on if you haven't if you didn't book the role you're on people's radar that's for what, sure. Yeah, so. and that's and I have really been trying to reframe my view of success mm-hmm. in this business because you know one in a thousand yeah. is going to hit and going to make it or one in 10,000 whatever mm-hmm. whatever number you want to go at. Right. And so Every year, I've started setting goals for myself that are realistic. Mm-hmm. Like this year, like last year, it was I wanted to find a new re- new representation, okay. and I wanted to book a national commercial. Perfect. I found a representation, didn't book a national, but I got very close. Mm-hmm. I got uh, on a veil or pin. Yeah. Basically, for those who don't know, the non-initiated, it mm-hmm. is usually the final step before you book a job, and it's between you and one other person, mm-hmm. usually. So I took that as a win. And so this year, my goal is to be put on a veil or pin for a TV show and to book a national commercial. Yeah, and I I love that that you really just you're ticking those off. And I need more of that. And the listeners, we we were talking about it today on our hike. Uh, the listeners know about everything that's happened in my life so far. They know about. Uh, the new boo, a little bit. He's got a code name. He's got a code name. Okay. We're, we're keeping that hush <laughs> hush um, for many reasons. Well, um, well, now I have to know the code name. Robert. Robert. <laughs> <laughs> because you know my new boo. We work with so many Roberts. Personally. Everybody. Yeah. You know my new, you know my new, my new squeeze personally. You're friends. Um, but everybody knows about what happened with me and Ethan. And I am just sort of coming back to life in holding myself accountable and not just my career, but every aspect of my life. And it's exhausting. It's a but, lot of work. But it's exciting. It's exciting to be out on the high wire without a net. Yeah. A little bit. And and that's what I feel like with my whole life. And so I'm like, well, just throw your career in there too. Your career is stagnant. Get Andrew on the show. Tell him to tell you what to do. And that's and I think that's part of it. You mentioned living life on the high wire. Yeah. That is how I view my stay in LA Mm -hmm. is there are so many people and I was also at fault of this is you find that survival job Mm -hmm. and then you find a survival job that pays well and you're like oh let me make as much money as possible and then all of a sudden all you're trying to do is make a bunch of money well and that's that is that is the two-edged sword for you and me and which I will say uh, you and I met through our survival job. Yeah, I don't really talk about the survival job on the show just cool. because. Who wants? Who wants? I to don't talk want. About I that? don't want anybody to knock on my door with le- legal teams and be like, "Hi, we heard you say this, and now you work for us, and so now you're so fired." So I shouldn't have tweeted out what we're doing today. Oh, I don't care. Yikes. Nobody reads Twitter anymore. <laughs> Thanks, Elon Musk. <laughs> um, but I met you at the survival job. Yeah, and that's how we met, and we we actually got really lucky. That our survival job pays pretty well. Pays yeah. pays good enough, depending on who you ask. But de- depending on how often you're there, I right? Would say. That's true. Uh, but also, it's a job that's really, really fulfilling to yeah. do as well. So, I mean, we get lucky because we're not doing soul sucking jobs till we get there. But then sometimes people might say it's the soul sucking jobs that get you that fire in your belly to get the fuck out. So. And, and so I have completely adjusted my thinking with it because I got mm-hmm. so entrenched in needing to make money. Because yeah. I was like, oh, I'm making money. I'm living good. But there is something about that danger mm-hmm. of uh, 
as the kids say, rent being due. Yeah. That keeps pushing me towards mm-hmm. finding that next thing. One, being hungry physically and, mm-hmm. and metaphorically yeah. to go after that next job, to find what that next mm-hmm. audition is going to be, what the next play I'm going to do is going to be. Right. So it's, it is that thrill of trying to balance life, work, and knowing that there is no safety net. Yeah. Because as much as I enjoy the survival job and the money that it gives me, it's not enough to where I'm comfortable. Yeah. And 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 I'm finding that because it it's a lot. Like I went through uh, because I talked about it a little bit on the show. Again, don't want to talk too much about it, but I got the job. I talked about the audition process to get the job. Wow. But I was one of 700 and one of 28 people to get the job exactly. out of 700 applicants. That's a big deal. And I'm sure the numbers are similar for your class, whatever, because it's just a big deal. And then you get the promotion to go do even more. The premier product, and you you've it. done that, too, as well. Yeah, the premier product. <laughs> um, and... It's it's taken a lot and it's fun. They make it fun. the The job is fun because it's all individualistic. the yeah. The performative aspect of it is a creation of all your own. Yeah, and it feels very powerful to create something like that. And I'm and March thirteenth is my one year anniversary. It's so already been a year. It's already been a year, <sighs> and I'm starting to see where I'm like, oh. It's starting the way the the high tide is starting to go back to low tide. I'm like, I love the beach, yeah, but it's not high tide anymore like, for me. It's okay. I mean, I, I'm not getting disillusioned by it at all. I love this job still, but there it's are, a job. There are people we work with who are very disillusioned by this job. <laughs> and yeah, it's not me. I'm not. Uh, but I am starting to see how it's going back to low tide, and I have space for more. And I'm like, and I'm thinking, let's do it. Yeah, I, let's go after the more now again. So, because you've mentioned to me before that you enjoy doing improv, that that is what you really mm-hmm. felt fulfilled in doing. Mm-hmm. Like, what have you been looking at improv stuff out here? I what did. Have you been doing? I was because I was um, I was performative at the the Magnet Theater in New York. Do you know the Magnet Theater in New York? Have you I heard of not. it? Because it's it's like it's it's just like here. Here we got the big three: Second City, Groundlings. UCB mm-hmm, in New mm-hmm. York they got the big three um well the, the the two threes two of the three are not as big in New York the magnet the pit and UCB okay um and people are sort of it's just like here you sort of go where you it's like oh you're UCB I'm groundling yeah there, I was like oh you're pit I'm magnet okay um so there there was that kind of turf war with it um so I did the magnet is it more like what am I trying to say? Character based or my at the magnet? It was game based, I guess. The the pit is much more game based, and it's and UCB does a lot of games in New they York do. as well. That's and I guess hair toss totally... my training, <laughs> <laughs> which I like the games, and I want to do UCB here. Like I I think I let the numbers get me intimidated mm. in New York to not do UCB, and and for those of you listening, Upright Citizens Brigade, boom, it is a um. A improv school founded by Amy Poehler. Yep. Um, but I do want to try. I want to go to the Groundlings here. Um, just because that's kind of been the holy grail in L.A. for a while. Um, I want to do that. But uh, what, back to my thing. I was in the Magnet. I did musical improv there. Which is so impressive, everybody. I found, It's wild. Like, literally, it's so funny because having minimal musical talent made me maximize myself at improv because my minimal musical talent is that I can follow the beat. That's it. (laughs) Hey, that's a lot more than a lot of people. And it's like, I cannot, I mean, I can sing in key and I can follow the beat, but like having that artistry with music to be a musician, I don't have that. That's not something like, it just would be so stupid for me to think that I'm going to be, Sam Smith or Josh Groban or someone who's like makes their living wow, as a what singer. What a range of I know, right? <laughs> of artists, right? Josh uh, Groban, Sam Smith, it, uh, you know anybody who just really has that voice, or even a Taylor Swift uh, with the writing. You know, I, I don't write that. I mean, I couldn't write a, a song, so I have minimal musical talent. But then you go into improv and you're like. The piano player is playing the piano, and you have the improv brain to make something up right away. Yeah. And I'm like, 
well, yeah, I can make something up and I can sing it on key. I've did that. I've done that my whole life. Just walk around making up songs in my house. Right. It's like that's not a talent. And they're like, no, no, it is. And I'm like, oh, because I did. I have a video of me the very first time I did musical improv, and it was just a drop in. And after that, the the teachers came to me and they're like, are you in the musical track? And I'm like, no. And they're like, you are now. You have to be. Look at that. And I was like, oh my god. So I found my space where I can confidently go into it and not feel crippled by anxiety because I'm just like, I, it's scary, but yeah, everything's scary. Yeah. But I love it. I live for it because I know I'm good at it. There is, um, it's addictive. Yeah. Performing. It's so addictive. Well, it r- really is. And it's just validation and people, I mean, there is some narcissism to it. You want the audience, you want that validation, but it is an exchange of, of energy between the audience and the performer uh, and I'm sure that's why everybody who, yeah, even out here in L.A., they're still seeking ways to get on stage. Yeah. Do a play. Yeah. So that you can get that instant feedback. So, yeah, that's that's where I'm starting. Um, I do need representation. Uh, so I'm going to be actively seeking <laughs> counsel from someone who said, here we are. We're doing this, and you did you it. Better sign me, because I'm going to make it, is basically <laughs> what I said to them. Did you really? Well, because I met with, I used a product that's going through a name change, but um, I used a product called Agent Blasters, mm. and it's like a mass email service. And so I sent out a package, which is a headshot, a resume, a reel that I made, well, that uh, that I had, that I paid to be made. Right. And And so I was able to get, like five or six meetings, really? which is really tough here in Los Angeles. Because mm-hmm. usually the, the way you do it is you cold call people, you cold email people, mm-hmm. you try to run into them at networking events yeah. or, or workshops. So is this uh, commercial or theatrical? Both. Both. They're my they're my full across-the-board representation. Mm-hmm. Baron Entertainment, which, shout out, love and, you. And again, for anybody listening, I just want to you know make sure we don't leave anybody oh. behind. <laughs> commercial is for commercials. Yep. Theatrical is for television movies, everything like that. Yes. So think of the movie theater and mm-hmm. not a play theater. Yeah. Not a theater. Not I a mean, theater. Which, I mean, I'm sure their theatrical would encompass that in cities like Chicago or New York as well. But, you know, or maybe not. I don't know. Who I've knows? never I've never done that. So, yeah. Because they're all like different unions or Because something. for me, I'm not ready for theatrical. Mm. I just don't have, I just don't have the body of work behind me, the real I don't think. I mean, maybe I am. Maybe who knows? I don't want to limit myself. Yeah. But, but I just like you. Like you're like I. I made a reel. I'm like, well, I don't have a reel. So. And that's the best part is you can go and do all these student films uh-huh. and get something because that's. I mean, that's how I started. Yeah. Is I was very overwhelmed with the process. And yeah. So for a year, I was in L. A. and I was like, what the hell do I do? Mm-hmm. I'm so overwhelmed. I'm just gonna sit on my couch and say I'm an actor. Yeah. But it's well. There you go. You've just described my life. <laughs> <laughs> but it is it's once you break that seal of self-submitting to things mm-hmm. things do start happening yeah it's 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 all about the energy that you put into it and mm-hmm. put forward i think that does affect how easily things come in your direction yeah direction <laughs> i think that really does affect the way how easily things come in your direction yeah it's singular not plural yeah, and yeah. um <laughs> it's because then you're, I'm a huge believer of turning into the skid. It's the more you lean into acting mm-hmm. or into improv or into whatever creative outlet you're trying to do, well, the more opportunities present themselves. And this is that's a universal concept of showing up. Mm-hmm. We all know people, like I, I know people who have a much more commercially successful podcast than mine, and their podcasts suck. And you know why? Name names. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But you know why? But the, and you, you know people who get a role and you've seen them perform and you're like, what the hell are they doing? That's I'm so much better than them. Well, they showed up. Yeah. Sometimes being in someone's face, sometimes just doing the work, the consistency can lead to something. And that's not shade on anybody. I mean, because, hey, if my, if my podcast is better than yours, but everybody's listening to yours, guess what? Who's the winner here? Exactly. You are. Because you showed up. And, you know, and I've, I've found that with this show, like I've gone on a hiatus and yeah, when you're not there, people don't listen. Yeah. (laughs) There you go. But when they're there, people can find you. And when you, and like you said, you have a goal to be on a veil for a TV show. 
what that means in my head just automatically is you're on someone's radar for mm-hmm. the next project because there's what 50 casting directors that people see all over town at any time yeah and and it's just like and 50 is a very finite number and if there's one person who has your face in their in their head when they're getting ready to cast their next project and you show up that's going to make a connection in their brain. And, and you I, got the job. And I have noticed that I'm starting to see the same casting directors yeah. over and over. And I am starting to notice I'm getting callbacks more and more from mm-hmm. those casting directors. Yeah. So it's it's a numbers game. Mm-hmm. And if you can get to a place where you are like, where, and it takes some time, mm-hmm. trust. It takes time yeah. to get to this place where you can be like, okay, I got the audition. Check. That's one in the right column. Okay, Mm -hmm. the audition didn't go anywhere. All right. Ooh, I got another audition. Check. I got a callback. Check. Didn't go anywhere. Mm -hmm. It's the more numbers you can add to your tally mark or however you want to describe it, the more you'll recognize Mm -hmm. your progress. I'm all about incrementalism. Your your small steps forward is a step forward Mm -hmm. no matter what. And, and see, for me as an actor, and not even just as an actor, but as a person in life right now, I am realizing, I mean, it's the, I'm, I, the more I talk with people, because I was talking with Zach Morris, um, again, mutual friend of all of ours <laughs> on the show last week, and I'm like, I'm, I've got to hold on tight because I'm realizing I'm not doing life well. <laughs> And I've got to stay calm because I've literally been crippled by anxiety and just the fear of the unknown for so long yeah. in life. And like, like I said, I and this is just anecdotally. I opened a new bank account yesterday because Ethan and I broke up, and we have to separate ourselves. And we are, forgive me for quoting a Hollywood legend, Gwyneth Paltrow. We. <laughs> Actually, are I mean, people? When you say consciously uncoupling, I'm like, that's, that's about. literally what me and Ethan are doing. Like, we sat down and crunched our numbers together, and he was like, "This is what you can afford. This is what I can afford. We're going to take care of each other." And you have the two cats, so you can call them and Apple cats, and whatever their <laughs> Apple other kids and name Moses, is. I think. I don't even. Uh, know. But yeah, we are consciously uncoupling, and we, you know, I'm starting to make incremental movements in my life where I was just stagnant because we broke up in October, and it's January, and I just got a new bank account, and I'm like. Oh, Oh my God. So I've really got to start making moves for myself incrementally. And it's so hard. Like, yeah, I just want everybody to know, like life is hard. Yeah, <laughs> Like if it, you're struggling, it's fine. <laughs> Cause life is really stinking hard. There is not a single person I can think of that. I'm like, Oh, you're doing life perfectly. Mm-hmm. Everyone fucks up. Uh huh. Everybody has things that they're dealing with. Everybody struggles. Like I, I would say November to now was very shut off from the world. Mm-hmm. Was very like, I don't want to talk to anybody. Even the idea of hanging out with people was very overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And, and now I find I'm out of it. And see, and I had the exact opposite. The idea of not being included and invited and making my way through the community of our friends. Cause we have, t- I mean, we have tons of mutual friends at yeah. this point. Like we literally, the, the number of friends we have total is probably exponentially more that we know together than yeah. the ones we don't know outside of each of our little circle. Of friends. Uh, even though it's so funny because we're not in the same, like everything's a Venn diagram and we are not in the same circles no. at all. <laughs> like you and I created a brand new spot <laughs> for Venn diagram. Cause I, because people, when people hear that you and I are friends, they're like, wait, what? And I'm like, yeah, we're, we're friends. We were like, okay. I'm undercover with my and friendships. And then because, because Hollywood and the microcosms of industry within Hollywood is such an incestuous cesspool at times, <laughs> there are people that you're friends with that I'm like, mm, not my cup of tea, and vice versa, because there's so much. That's just happened in this community. Yeah. And it's so funny to just think, oh, okay, cute, 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 cute. Because you live your life, baby. I mean, it's just random to like to say your name at a table with our friends and see the recognition from some people and then see just like nothing from other people. And I'm it's like, because I'm so polarizing. <laughs> you really are, though. And I think I am too. I think the polarizing people, because people are like, literally, I feel like 
I'm either your cup of tea or I'm absolutely not. Yeah. Because I'm a lot. But um, I don't remember where I was going with any of that. So. You got to love tangents. That's all. I do. Everything is tangential. Tangenital. Tangenital. That sounds gross. (laughs) (laughs) But um, but yeah, just making incremental movements, starting anywhere, like that's. That's so hard, and I just don't want to. It's, but I'm gonna. (laughs) And it is, and it's really important to recognize just the fact that one, you're doing the podcast again. Mm -hmm. Two, having the idea of looking for classes, right, is huge. There are so many people that get stuck mm -hmm. in that spot and don't go anywhere, right. And all you have to do, or they climb the small mountains. Yeah, they want to be. They want to be the king of. UCB, and I'm like, if that's where, if that's what you want, then that's what you get. But other people are using UCB or Groundlings or Second City or in Pro Theater or any of the any of the spaces that g- give classes here. They're using it as a stepping stone for learning and yeah. enrichment, and then move on up the mountain. So there are so many times, and this is like the nastiest aspect of me. So please forgive me. Audience. I love it. Give us the dark side. Anytime someone moves out of LA, uh-huh. they're like, oh, I'm in LA to be an actor. And then they move out. There's a part of me that goes coward. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you just couldn't hack it. I, I feel that too. Because there are a lot of people that leave for family stuff mm-hmm. and, and other important things. But then there are folks that just go, I left. You know, and if you're going to be very, very honest with yourself and when you leave and you say, you know what, I came here to be an actor. I saw what it took and I know that there's only one life to live and I'm just not willing to put that into all of that. So I'm going to go do something else. Yeah. That's not cowardly. Yeah. But if you're you're just come here and you're like, it's too hard. It's like, well, no. No. I mean, it's hard. It's hard, but it's possible. (laughs) Like, sure, we're not, I mean, you and I know, but no one, no one has any reason to believe they are going to be Meryl Streep. Yeah. There's no reason for you to believe that. But if you work hard, you don't know who you're going to be. You may be another Meryl Streep. You may be working with Meryl Streep one day, but you have to take your career in stride step by step, day by day. Yeah. And day see where it goes. <laughs> and see where it goes because the reality is there are lots of people in this in this town who are making a living out of acting and we don't know their name. Exactly. Because they've been the secretary on every show and that works for them to pay the bills and then they go to regional theater where they have all their passion. Yeah, it's I like, mean it just happens. So If you could if I could end up being that guy in that thing, yeah, I could consider myself a success. Do you know what I want? What, do you what want? I really want? Tell me uh, what you want, what look, you really, really want. I'll tell you what I want, what I really, really want. I want, like, you know how you said you're going to set a goal, I want to get a commercial this year. Did you get a commercial? You said you got a commercial this year. Not yet. Not yet. That's on the goal list. I want to be more suspe- specific about the commercials I want. Oh. I want to be the face of something unsavory. The face of something unsavory. Yes, like, I want to walk in a field and be like, my hemorrhoids are killing me. Oh, my and God, And now I Kyle. have John Cena. Yeah. <laughs> I like how you the made John drug. Cena a drug. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be the face of eczema, psoriasis. I don't know. I don't. Yeah. I just, so you want to be Joey from Friends? Yes. In that, I like, want to Japanese. be venereal disease yeah. posters. I, wanna, I just want to be... That face. Can I tell you? Yeah. I was, I almost booked a prep commercial. Really? Um, it's you dis- would look. You have that look because you are half black, half white, right? Did you call me a slur? No. <laughs> <laughs> I look gay. You look. I look like I need prep. You're a caramel skinned gay man. <laughs> yes, I'm black and white. Who is and who is at what is it the uh, the ambiguous race person? That is, I'm ethnically ambiguous. Is well, what they I'll call tell me. you. Those prep commercials, every single one of those people look like they're living their best life. And I, I see that for you. They look so happy. They look so happy. Even they're, that heavy set girl washing that dog. I love her. her. I love her so much. There was one. It's called Discovery for Prep. And I it will always stick in my brain because I were almost up for that commercial. It, oh my god. And every everybody. time I would see it for fucking RuPaul's drag race, yeah. I would give the, I would do the commercial in front of my boyfriend. <laughs> like, that should have been me. <laughs> So that one time when I was a child, I auditioned for The Legend of Bagger Vance oh my, with Will oh Smith. They came because, okay, so here's a little niche story. Uh, do you know who Lucas Black is? 
he that is name sounds familiar. He was on NCIS New Orleans. Um, he was in Sling Blade. He was the little boy in Sling Blade. Okay. He was the little boy in Crazy in Alabama with Melanie Griffith. He was in. Did Fast he steal and your Fury. career? Fast and no, no, he didn't steal my career. Fast and Furious, Tokyo Drift, I think. Mm-hmm, I should know mm-hmm. that. Um, anyway, he came from the next town over from me. So he was kind of like local celebrity. Yeah. Uh, so they were like, well, we found Lucas Black for Sling Blade in Coleman, Alabama. So let's go back to Coleman, Alabama and find another little boy. Um, and they did. And it wasn't me. That's all. How? D- so yeah. That really built me up for <laughs> quite the anticlimactic So I've ending. never watched Legend of Bagger Vance and I will not. <laughs> First of all, I don't know that it's a great movie. And also, Will Smith yeah. expired on his relevancy for a while. Uh, but, yeah. What are you going to do? Hashtag debatable. He sleeps. He slaps He's, people. He, but hey, you know what? I very know. relevant these days. It's very, you know, slap people. I don't know. I, I personally. I will say that the joke that, that um, and I'm not defending Will Smith, but the joke that Chris Rock made, kind of tasteless in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, she's dealing with alopecia. Yeah, I'm like, it's kind of tasteless. And also, she looked like a goddess yeah. at the Oscars. So. So, I'm personally okay with Slapgate. I think it's going to change the way the Oscars are done. And Ooh. I don't know. We've got time. Explain just briefly. I don't how know. Do you th- how do you think it's going to change like the Oscars? I feel like there's going to be a bit more security when for people to try and get onto stage. I there don't think they're going to let that anymore. Yeah. That's but I honestly did not have an issue with it. And when I saw it, I was like... That's good TV, goddammit. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, it made for good TV, and it made for fodder for, and for the dude, weeks. And the dude apologized. Mm-hmm. He made wh- however you feel about the apology. He apologized. He's producing a TV show. Yeah. He, they're both fine. They're, All yeah, they're the millionaires fine. are they're, okay. Yeah, they're the both only one fine. that's arguing is us, the the proletariat. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, it's it's fine. And I, I don't think that the slap is... A Harvey Weinstein, uh, a Bill Cosby. Like, it's not a reason to cancel Will Smith. Like, no. he makes good work. Um, he, I don't know what, honestly, okay, I'll say another thing that I'm not sure this, I mean, may, this might be like, maybe you're you're, maybe you'll edit this out. No, no, it's it's just, it'll, tar- it'll get people to turn on me because, like, his role for King Richard, I watched it. It, I don't know what the goal was for him to, for me. Like, what was I supposed to take? Was I supposed to be uncomfortable by him? Or was I supposed to be engrossed in the uh, the embodiment? He embodied that man. Oh, yeah. He deserved that Oscar. But I'm just like, I don't get it. Like, I get, I, I don't know. Like, well, is he a good guy or is he not a good guy? I don't know. I think, and I think that's the whole thing yeah. is, I think Venus and Serena had their own complicated relationship yeah. with their father where... At times, he was the best person that mm-hmm. they needed. And at times, there was this intensity to him that was both defending and maybe overbearing. Right. And I guess that's what you want is someone to be that big of a cheerleader in yeah. your court. Yeah. Pun intended. But I mean, look at us. We're talking about his acting. There we're you go. We're talking about. Which talking I about. long since thought that Will Smith deserved an Oscar. Uh, yeah. Because I think he deserved an Oscar. I think he deserved it for Ali. Yeah. You know, and so I, I'm glad he got his dues. And I just love an opportunity in Hollywood to make an example of something. And I think this is an opportunity for mental health. Yeah. For, you know, not and not like just, you know, anxiety, depression, but pressure. The pressure of life that gives you that anxiety, that gives you that... I mean, I don't know if that would be considered anxiety, but he was on edge. He was on complete the edge. Yeah. And I think it's an opportunity for you to... uh, For us to be talking about that. Like, how do we deal with pressure? It's an opportunity for us to be talking about... Because I don't subscribe to the the negative backlash of cancel culture for comedians because comedians are like we can't say anything anymore i'm like you can just, just make don't your say, jokes funny just make them funny <laughs> and don't you don't have to hurt people you don't have to punch down you don't yeah i mean because like look at look at jada pinkett smith she looked gorgeous that night that bald head she is a beautiful woman and She's doing it as a way to bring awareness. I mean, she's living it out loud. And I mean, I don't know if she's doing that for that. I don't know her purposes, but she is giving everybody the opportunity to talk about alopecia. It's a big deal. Yeah. 
Uh, and the way we present ourselves to the world, it's a big deal. And she's being brave enough to not wear a wig or not wear a headscarf and just say, "There's my, here's my scalp. Yeah, It was and an I'm open beautiful. hand slap. Yeah. He's so, fine. So it's just, it's an opportunity. Um, and I love that. Yeah. But also, again, this may get me canceled. I'm ready to see, or I hope, I hope that Ellen DeGeneres will do something with her disaster. <laughs> That's all. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, let's leave it at that. <laughs> I just, I'm like, is that where you're going to end it? Like, everybody thinks you're a bitch, and everybody thinks that you are... Like you are condoning assault on, uh, under your watch, and and then you run with your tail between your legs to end your show. Mm. And I'm like, that's where your story ends. That says a lot, doesn't it? It really does. And but the thing is, I believe everyone has the road to redemption. Yeah, everybody has a road to redemption, and I I want to see everybody walk it. I want to see somebody give me that complete story. Ellen DeGeneres realizes that she was wrong, and she's gonna go on and do things. That actually bring awareness to the problems she has caused in her show and in her network and in her uh, her industry, the 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 company that she was running. I want her. I want to see her do something. I want to see her triumph because her place in history is way too important for that to be where her where her story ends. But if it is, sorry, yeah. look at you crash and burn. Like I am not giving her any pass, but I do want to. I want her to. I want her to do it. Come on, give us more. Like. <laughs> I always say there's a road to redemption for everyone. Some people won't live long enough to walk it. Yeah. Like if Donald Trump had been. Oh, he can burn straight to hell. But if he had been 30 rather than 75, whatever, he might actually be able to turn this shit around. I don't know. Maybe. But he's not gonna. My silence says everything. (laughs) Yeah. But I'm just saying, I use him as the most egregious example that he will never be able to walk the road to redemption because he's too old. He's never gonna, there's not enough time for him to do all the things it would take. But everybody has one. That's my whole point. Because no, he's a complete garbage human. (laughs) And, you know. Um, But anyway, back to Hollywood. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Quite the tangent. (laughs) Listen, that's what we do. We got time for tangents on this show. Um, but yeah, I want to know more about your acting and more about the way that you navigate your career. Um, because I always say that this show, uh, is all about the conversation. And I, and at the top of the show, I say a conversation can change the way you think, how you feel, or even what you believe. Those three points can really, um, tell a lot about a situation, about a career, about a, a thought process. So with the way you think about acting, like, what do you do? Like, do you have specific goals or are you like me? Because I've always said, I'm going to throw spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks. Mm -hmm. Because you just don't know where you will be able to inspire someone. Because we are all multifaceted people. We don't just do one thing. So I do that. But do you have a methodical... I'm going to take roles of that are specifically written for people of color or I'm going to take roles for queer people or are you uh, just going out for anything to see because you have comedy, drama, musical, you have it all in your, in your system. What is your methodical role you're seeking in that way? The way I go about it, um, well, right now I'm kind of just seeing what's, who's going to take me. Yeah. But for the, the th- the projects that really interest me, there has to be some kind of emotional key mm-hmm. to it. Yeah. There has to, I, I like stories that get people to feel things, mm-hmm. whether it is, um, you know, all the gamuts of emotion, whether it's sadness, happiness, heartbreak, despair, anger, those seem so interesting to me. So mm-hmm. doing comedy just for comedy, it's fun. Yeah. It's great. But mm-hmm. I always want there to be some kind of emotional hook to it. Yeah. I would love to play more queer roles. Right. I think a lot of the things I go out for are straight. Mm-hmm. And so not only am I acting the character, but now I'm acting right. a side of me that I haven't had to do mm-hmm. for which however many years ago I came out. I love that because I'm always very interested in the nuances of the queer community because you were just talking about your boyfriend, Michael, um, on our hike today shout out i love you hey michael i miss you let's do game night 
Okay, not the look at time, my t- girl. Look at my TV. It's, it's so humongous. Big. It's so big. I got a new TV for Black Friday, it's and I need to play huge. games on it. But and I miss Michael so much. He's great. Um, but you were talking about li- ways that he is exploring his queerness, mm-hmm. and and I've and I've done that too. Like over the course of this last year, I've painted my nails, I pierced my ears, I've started doing a lot more. Like and now I've grown a mustache, and it's it's just the the gender bendingness of it all is is something that I just don't think we we do in society i feel like even within the queer community up until the last maybe five years we've even felt the need to find a space within our queerness and stick to that and and then you know billy porter wearing a ball that he only wears ball gowns now apparently to award shows and there's other men wearing dresses like just as i mean it's just become a thing now that Queer people can wear dresses. Yeah. And I hope that more people that are not in the queer community start b- doing that, exploring the the feminine and the masculine within themselves. But all that to say, you are not ultra femme. Mm-hmm. That's not... I see myself that way, yeah. That's not something that I would describe you as. You could play straight. You could play queer. And I love that there is an, a hyper... You're showing the hyper-masculinity, maybe, of a queer side of people because you love to work out. You have a very fit body. You're an Adonis. Oh You're an Adonis, oh my, oh my, my God. friend. Um, if you don't believe me, follow him on Instagram. <laughs> His Instagram handle is Cut in the out. show notes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you you have the opportunity to show a masculine side of femininity and in that, that way. And I love that. And And I hope that I can do that too. I hope that I can bring a different side of that. And I, it is always interesting getting auditions and seeing that they're straight and my reaction to versus seeing when they're queer because mm-hmm. they're like in one of my on camera classes I took, there was, a, it was, we were finally doing a queer role. Yeah. And it was the easiest scene I've done or conversation as my teacher calls it. Really? Go to the Annie Grindley studio. Amazing. Love her work. Ooh, should we put that in the show notes? Too? Yeah. Promote her. <laughs> um, her deal is I'm getting distracted. So anyways, <laughs> it, it is always fascinating to me when I get to remove the mask of straightness yeah. from my auditions uh-huh. because there is a sense of when you're auditioning as a straight person, mm-hmm. my voice gets a little deeper. My stance really? gets a little more serious where, you know, as a queer person, I can be like yeah. a little fun, a little flouncy. That's yeah. okay. That's expected in our community. Well, there's some people in the community that whatever. Uh, <laughs> being queer is complicated, everybody. When I explore queer issues, I'm bringing you back to talk about <laughs> the gay bitches that drive us nuts. It's a lot of them. But... <laughs> It is a lot of not talking myself off a ledge, but because that's a little over dramatic for what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. But it is a lot of okay, if I do this, that means there's going to be more queer roles out there that eventually I can take. Yeah. Like I looked at the show Queer as Folk, the remake. The original mm-hmm. is good, has a lot of its own issues. Yeah. The remake is good, has a lot of its own issues, like starting with a mass shooting scene in the first episode. Oh, God. But. There is uh, the one of the leads on that show. I looked at him. I was like, "Oh shit, you kind of look like me. Mm-hmm. I could have done this part." Yeah. And unfortunately, that part that show got canceled. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, if our queerness isn't commodified in the right way, like a RuPaul's Drag Race, yeah. or sorry, Billy Eichner, a Bros, or mm-hmm real friends of WeHo bullshit. I, it, it, that makes me like, I tingled when you said real friends of WeHo. I, I tingled for the show. wrong reasons. I, it, it, that drives me nuts. I watched the premiere. Did you like it? No. I, I mean, it's, yeah, no, I mean, sorry, sorry to any of those people that watched it and liked it or even the cast. Of the it's show. just so problematic. <sighs> it's so problematic. And I, was, I don't want to get into it, but yeah, I mean, we can, but there, there's one dude on there. His name's Curtis. He's the only one that I emotionally connected with. Cause he's, he's a black guy who's recently coming. He's a black actor who's mm-hmm. recently come out as gay. And I could have followed his story on navigating right. his blackness and his queerness. Cause that is interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Seeing all these rich people be rich, I'm like, whatever. 
so navigating queerness in Hollywood yeah. is tough. Well, it's something I've been I've been working on being more comfortable with mm-hmm. is walking into the room and presenting myself in a way that I think the character presents themselves, but not necessarily being like, okay, I'm a straight man. Mm-hmm. So getting rid of the the lower voice, and yeah. the, the the perfect straight posture, because we all know yeah. that there's a straight posture. There's a straight there's posture. There's a straight voice. There's a straight walk. There's yes. a straight posture. There's a straight, I mean, you, do you, your hands, do you do straight hands? Oh, you, I do. Because I talk with my hands <laughs> I so talk with much. my hands too. And it's like, you got to put those down to the side or like because the, straight look at the nails. If you look at them with your fingers curled in, you're gay. If you or you're straight. If you look at them straight out, is that still at the a back thing? of your hand? You're gay. I don't know. That's my own. That's my own <laughs> trauma peeking out. I guess. Yeah, that's a junior high trauma. But do you find how many times when you take a role or when you go for an audition and you read the character and it's and it's acknowledged that he's straight? How many times have you thought to yourself? How does he need to be straight or gay? A great question. It's a great question, Alan. Um, because it's like, why does he need to be straight? He's just a you know whatever. He's just a an, a, an administrative assistant, or he's just that. Why does he need to have that? None of that's coming into this. Yeah. So why does he need to have that moniker? It him? is. I mean, it is always interesting seeing what is described as straight because there are so many sitcoms and I guess the age of the sitcom is dying. Mm. There's not a lot of multicam anymore. Not if I can help it. (laughs) You'd be great on a sitcom. Thank you. But anytime I get a sitcom audition or a Mm -hmm. a conversation that we're practicing in class, I'm like, okay, I get to be a little more myself because those male characters are always a little bit feminized. Mm -hmm. And it is figuring out where you can impart pieces of yourself yeah. into the character and, and I guess that's the whole thing about acting you know is what is the character what is me what do I bring to the character to inform them and make it easier for me to portray this person yeah and what can I bring from my own life and this is where we can get into like substitution versus imagination taking circumstances from your real life bringing them to the character and using trauma that you've created to emotionally connect versus the imagination where you take feelings that you felt and create brand new circumstances Mm -hmm. that emotionally connect to the character. Yeah. I'm much more into the imagination camp versus the substitution camp. Mm -hmm. It feels a bit healthier to me. Yeah. Um, Well, and it feels more authentic to me as an actor because if I had to have lived through the trauma to portray the trauma, that's not acting. It's that's that's living trauma work. Yeah. So and it, and what it does is it you have hopefully worked through this trauma and mm-hmm. the pain has scabbed over. Yeah. So every time you're trying to emotionally connect to that feeling and yeah. using that traumatic circumstance, you're only opening an old wound. Yeah. Making a deeper scar, mm-hmm. making it harder to get there, so that soon. If you're trying to cry in an emotional scene, your tolerance for just like any substance, it's going to take more exactly. to get there. And then you're just so. hurting yourself. Mm-hmm. So I'm very much all about imagination and and figuring out what the feelings that I've experienced, mm-hmm. how I can recreate those feelings and yeah. give them circumstances. Because our life can our life can lend credence to a situation. You can see a mother going through loss or something, and you're going to have to play that part. Someone going through loss. Well, we've been through loss, so you can tap into, I remember what I was feeling, and then create that narrative for this character, right? There but, is there is. This. But you don't have to go there and, you know, open the old wound to, to get there. You can have empathy for this fictional person and be, and know the responsibility of bringing them to life. Yeah. Instead of, having to walk in their shoes literally. I That's think the whole point of acting. There is a little... I think all actors are crazy in yeah. general, um, which is nothing against mental health. Right. I Because uh, there's a little piece in my brain that when I am dealing with an emotionally tense circumstance, like mm-hmm. I'm crying or I'm angry or I'm experiencing this exuberant joy, Yeah, there is this small voice in the back of my head that's like, Remember how this feels. Mm-hmm. Remember how this physically is manifesting in your yeah. body. Remember 
what is generating this feeling, mm-hmm. where it's beginning, how it feels as it radiates through your fingers and your toes. Yeah. So you can hold on to that and access that emotion again. Well, and and the, a lot of actors they make the mistake of what does it look like mm-hmm. on camera, and it's like when I going through grief with my dad, and I know you had so much grief during the pandemic because you lost two people very close to you, both your grandfathers, right? Mm-hmm. It's never about what's on your face. Oh, you're yeah. not you're not thinking about what's on your face when you're grieving. It's what's right there in your chest. Yeah. It's what's it's your either the joints of your fingers, the the backs of your knees. Just I mean that's where trauma lives in your body and that's where it has to start i mean think about your viola face davis. Will do its thing yeah viola davis has the most insane crying face oh my gosh snot coming out of her She's nose not shaking like that's that's why i love it she screams she screams because i mean that's how people act you that's act, how people that's deal how you with are shit. you scream um well now, I, the, the other two portions of it, uh, how you feel. How does acting make you feel? Like, what oh. do you get from being able to act? It. I talk about this with my friend, Jessica. Shout out to Jessica Nielsen. You're amazing. Hey. Um, we talk about this a lot. I met her in, in our Meisner class, which is a school of thought of acting. Mm-hmm. And we talk about <laughs> getting our nut. <laughs> <laughs> and Because when... You are performing and you can feel the audience emotionally on the same emotional energy spectrum, Mm -hmm. feeling, vibe, whatever you want to call it. It feels better than sex. Mm -hmm. It is like this is what it's like to connect with people who may or may not be able to on their own feel this specific emotion. Mm -hmm. But by what you are doing, you're helping them process through whatever the hell they're processing. Yeah. It is the most intense and best feeling is getting that nut. <laughs> <laughs> you got to get that nut. Got to get that nut. Well, you know, again, and, not to be confused with West Hollywood conversation yeah. of 10 minutes ago. Cause they That's too, getting a different kind of nut. They too are trying to get that nut. But it, I, is, it is a, it's an, it is a very satisfying and fulfilling feeling. Mm-hmm. And, do you, I mean, what, because you sing, you act, mm-hmm. you you do stage shows whenever you can. What is your favorite part? What is What do you love the most? What do you feel like you're getting the most out of? The singing, the acting, or being in front of an audience? Because when you're on camera, for anybody who's never done any acting, anything, when you're when you're on the in the audience, that's why sitcoms have a, a live studio audience because there is that instant feedback. There's that instant knowing w- if this is connecting. It's like live theater, right? It's the live theater, and same with theater, th- same with any of that. You're getting like the energy from the audience feeds the the performance. That's why every, when you go to theater, if you've seen a stage show four times, you've seen four different shows because yeah. it's d- there's different nuances that uh, pop up from the audience's energy yeah uh and then singing it just taps into a different place i guess for us we just really it's you get to fully emote singing is one of the most vulnerable things you can Mm -hmm. do in front of people um but yeah so and with with again just to round out that scenario that i was giving when you're acting on a set you're in front of a camera you have to have an understanding of human nature Mm -hmm. because Think about, because for people who don't know, you're going to do 15 takes for one scene. That joke that you go to see in that movie is not funny by the end yeah. to anyone on set. You have to have faith and you have to know what is funny without having hearing people laugh. Because sure, they're going to laugh the first time because if it's good writing. But by the end, nobody's laughing at this joke, nor should they be because it has to be authentic. So you have to know. You have to know in your bones if this is connecting with people in the future. And that's, I think, and that, so, yeah, what is your. That is, I think, what makes acting and performing so fun is discovering the constant discovery, mm-hmm. discovering what people are going to connect with. Okay, people didn't like the way this line came out, this yeah. piece of the conversation happened. Why? What can I do? How can I make this? mean something and finding and the ability to find meaning in Mm -hmm. everything because as humans when we talk we're not just bullshitting we're not just saying oh this hurt my feelings it's like no that Mm -hmm. hurt my feelings yeah i need you to understand that Mm -hmm. 
but there is nothing more robotic than asking a person, act like a human. All of a sudden, you're like, how do I do that? What do humans act like? Because that. <laughs> there's seven and a half billion people on this earth, so many. and every one of us act exactly different. Oh. So there's no formula for acting human. And it, it's, it is figuring, it's that discovery. Yeah. Figuring out what resonates with different people. And then the, I, I always go back to, I did a show, it's called If It Goes There, or a, a stage show. And it was about two gay men who meet on a hookup app who start chatting on a hookup app and they have their um their inner thoughts are personified yeah and i played one of the inner thoughts and there's this moment where me and the other thought are arguing and i'm like i like the life that we have i like being hard mm. and fast and young and i am afraid that if my person who i'm the inner thought of finds something stable and something emotionally satisfying, they're not going to need this version of me um, as I am. And I'm afraid of dying basically. And it was, and after, because we did the show a few times and after every performance, I could always tell if the audience was on my side Mm -hmm. because you could hear like a couple sniffles or people would come up afterwards and be like, Oh my God, your monologue. Mm-hmm. It was so good. I, it touched me. I've never seen you perform, and I cannot wait to do it. One of these days. Well, One I'm trying to days. do two shows this year, baby. Let's do it. Um, And it is – it's validating, but not in a selfish way. And I'm sure this sounds so actory. It, do- <laughs> it doesn't feel – it feels validating in a way of, I help that person. Yeah. I help that person. Well, and that's all of life. You just never know what you put out there could help someone. You don't know who's watching. And when you're acting, people are coming to see you or they are watching you knowing, you know, tapping into our psychological, the suspension of disbelief. Uh, They want to believe what you're saying and it can really affect you. But finally, to the end point. Okay. What you believe. What about acting taps into a spirituality, a spiritual mm. practice, even a religious practice for you, or, you know, what do you believe to be true about acting? What is the, that portion? I mean, I guess for, the, for lack of a better analogy, there's the father, the son, the Holy ghost, the Holy spirit within, within Christianity, there's the, the creator, what you do, the savior, how it makes you feel at the end. And then the, the part that just connects us all. And I think, I think that's it is the connection. Mm-hmm. I grew up in Catholic faith. It's not necessarily my identity anymore, but I do feel that there's something out in the universe that mm-hmm. is directing all this energy in yeah. specific ways. And I truly believe that like at the crux of humanity, we're all searching for connection. Mm-hmm. And if I can be a part of that in any form, that's acting to me, is creating these stories, is helping people connect to situations that they might not necessarily ever find themselves in. Mm -hmm. But we all have feelings that we have. We all have sadness, happiness, joy, which is different than happiness, anger. I've always said that. Despair. And sure, maybe it's in a fantastical setting like... House of the Dragon. Mm -hmm. But there's that idea of, in that show, you know, the themes of, this is mine. I want it. Who, as a human being, hasn't fucking felt that? Yeah. I deserve this. Yeah. This is being taken away from me. Mm -hmm. And and what's sad about us as humans is sometimes we have to get to our breaking point before we scream into the void, I deserve this. When in actuality, you can whisper it to yourself every morning. I deserve this. Yeah. And... And by seeing people screaming on camera or on stage, you're like, holy shit. Yeah. And you never me. know when a character in whatever universe, whatever world, reaching their breaking point gives you the courage to reach your breaking point yeah. and change or to embrace what you were fighting against all along. I mean, it's just it's so beautiful. The the different ways that you can creatively bring someone to a space that they are coming to. Yeah. And I. I don't know if this has anything to do with it, but I uh, there is one performance that always sticks out in my head as 
perfectly encapsulating grief. Mm-hmm. And that's Tony Collette in Hereditary. Oh my God, yes. When she first finds that body and the guttural, heart wrenching mm-hmm. screaming that she's doing ha- haunts me, which is great. Good job, yeah. Tony. I love her, by the way. She's, she's fantastic. So, did you ever watch United States of Terra? I didn't. I need oh, to go back and watch it. It's so good. Brie Larson is in it. Really? Yeah, she's the daughter. Okay. And one of the kids, I think a typical, no, I'm getting my people confused, but <laughs> Tony Collette is amazing. Yeah, she's and great. that is a, I felt when hearing that chills because I was so terrified of how this woman was going to react. Mm-hmm. But it was like, no, that's how humans grieve. Yeah. It's like, that is a way, it felt like such a release for me, even though I wasn't dealing with grief at that mm-hmm. time. But I was like, oh, if people can scream in a horrific situation, what am I capable of doing? Yeah. What am I allowed to do when I'm sad? And uh, it's just so important. This is so, this is so cliche queer okay uh but mine was always sally field in the in the cemetery Mm. and still magnolias when she's just losing it like she cannot wrap her brain around the fact that spoiler alert if you've never seen still magnolias skip 20 seconds ahead this movie is very aged enough you can spoil it she cannot wrap her brain around the fact that her daughter's dead yeah and and she and then when she just starts walking walking through the cemetery and be, the, and her friends are just following her walk through the cemetery, and she just loses it. I'm like, oh my god, that is like, how do you tap into that if you've never lost a child? How do you really tap into that? And that is also what I love about acting, and that's part of the reason I go to all these classes mm-hmm. and I try to sit with all these feelings is because. It, and actually, Annie Grinley, again, shout out to her. She described it perfectly mm-hmm. in my head to me. She was like, it's, I don't call them scenes. I call them conversations. I don't call us actors. I call us experiencers. And I know this is very Hollywood. Yeah, but- it's very, it's very, um, but but it's required, and I think, to, to actually wrap, if you're, sure, if you need to understand what's going on as an outsider, scenes, con- you know, scenes, actors, that's what's happening. But if you're actually living it, you have to find a different way to understand it. And isn't you got to so understand exciting, it from the though? inside out. You get to, as actors or as experiencers, we get to deal with some amazing, mundane, and mm-hmm. horrific situations mm-hmm. as a job. Yeah. And we get to use those situations to help people process all the gamut of humanity. Yeah. The full spectrum of it. And it's so exciting and so cool. Well, I love that. And and you this conversation has just energized me to do more. Um as well as my life. I mean, like my life has poised me for this conversation to now go do more. But I this year in 2023, I'm giving myself homework to just do more. Yeah. Um as far as all that goes. So my homework and I want you to be a participant in this. Uh, I think my homework is to have conversations with actors like yourself about what's next for me. You you mentioned Agent Blast. Agent Blasters, Agent which is Blasters. going through a name change that I'm not yeah. 100% sure about. Uh, right and just having conversations about starting where I'm at. What does that look like for more auditions? Because I've gone to auditions. I do them. But it's like I'm not living that lifestyle in a way that I'm going to – that's required if you want to have some semblance of success. So that's my homework for me, I mm-hmm. think, is start here. Start auditioning, right? Figure is that out, the homework? Figure out an easy, manageable goal. Yeah. For what you can expect from this year. And if it is simply sign up for a casting service, mm-hmm. incredible. And I'm, and, and everyone who knows me in real life is I do the most. I am the most. It's fine. So I'm going to, that's going to be something. Sign up for casting services. So, and, but also do my own footwork. Yeah. Find the, find the, find the stuff. Uh, it, what do you think? I have no representation. Is getting representation within this year a feasible goal? I think it can be. It just depends on how you set yourself up for it. Yeah. Doing it right off the bat is going to be more difficult right. than finding projects, even just filming 
mm-hmm. little monologues or scenes yourself or finding people that want to make stuff with you like in, in our job there's yeah. so many people mm-hmm. yeah there's so many people do something that want to make something mm-hmm. and use it and creating a small reel it doesn't have to be a lot yeah it could just be a couple things and then you'll be able to have a resume mm-hmm. using your resume and your headshot if you have a resume a headshot and a reel i think you're in a much better place there you go than having nothing well, all right well i have like literally within the last 45 seconds so many more questions have popped up for me. <laughs> so that means you have to come back. I guess I got to come back. You're going to have to come back <laughs> and we're going to have to talk more. But thank you for coming on my show today. Thank you. Thank for you me. for being one of the first new people to pop up on the show in a long time. Uh, people are going to want to follow you because I'm telling them now you're very very fun to look at <laughs> and you are probably one of the sweetest people i've ever met thank you and i'll i'll, I'll i'm gonna go there a little bit not everybody we know feels that way about you <laughs> and uh, i love their loss i love no i mean you know there's two sides to every coin but i love that the what the, the whole of what i know of you is just so vastly different than what other people might think of you. Some some other people. I know that everybody has the two the dark and the light and all that. But I just love that that's what I know of you is the sweetness. <laughs> You've been such a supportive friend through the 2022 tumult that was my life. Um so yeah, people are going to want to follow you. So where can they follow you? They can follow me on Instagram. My handle is avperkins08. avperkins. Do I know your middle name? We can discuss that off camera. <laughs> These people don't need to know my middle name just yet. Okay. Okay. Well, and if you want to follow me, obviously, everywhere you can follow me, it is Kyle L. Henderson. And don't forget to rate and subscribe and review this show so people can follow us. And if you're not already, yeah, hit subscribing. You should be doing it. Why are you not? Why are you not? There's a good conversation happening every week. Andrew Perkins will be back. Next week, we will be back with yet again another fascinating conversation. And until we meet again, everybody, I hope you have a fantastic week. Bye. Bye. Our life can, I don't like the word dictate, but our life can, our life can, stop saying our life can. It's fashion. It's fashion. It's fashion. 